It is Wednesday, May 16th, 2018. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you once again by my favorite pub, the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. I'm Jim Chesco. Call me Chet. And I'm flying solo tonight as Bill Furman is enjoying a nice Hawaiian vacation, lucky guy. I'm not really alone, though, as there are three awesome guests on the show this week. We'll get some fitness tips for the spring and summer from Philly.com's Ashley Blake Greenblatt. And you'll hear a fun conversation with WMMR's nighttime DJ, the super tall, stones-loving Jackie Bam Bam. We talk about MMR's 50th anniversary events and a whole lot more. And we'll welcome back one of our favorite guests here on Philly Press Box Radio, the award-winning sports columnist from the Inquirer, Daily News, and Philly.com, Mike Sealski. Now, since our most recent show, just one week back, the 76ers season came to a sudden disappointing end up at Boston's TD Garden. The Phillies have seemingly had as many days off as game days, thanks in part to lots of rain recently, although they are a mere half game out of first place. And yes, Tuesday marked 100 days since the Eagles became Super Bowl 52 champions. We haven't forgotten that, and we won't forget that anytime soon. We'll touch on most or all of that stuff with Mike Sealski. But here's the deal. Mike was going to be our leadoff guest this evening, but a family obligation prompted Mike to ask for a little switcheroo. And thanks to one of our other guests, we were able to make it all happen. So Mike will be joining us around the bottom of the hour, assuming all goes well, to help us cover the Philly sports scene as he always does when he visits. But in the meantime, let's help to get you fit. It's my Yeah, we've switched things up just a bit with tonight's agenda, and we will talk first about health and fitness. We had this young woman on with us back in December, and we're happy to have her back for a return visit now that we finally have some warmer spring weather in the Philly, South Jersey area, and can think about running and doing other activities outside when it's not raining anyway. She is a personal trainer, and she writes a weekly fitness column for the Philly Inquirer and Philly.com, Ashley Blake Greenblatt. Hey, Ash. Hey, Chet. Thanks for having me on. I love that intro. I'm about to start running. That was a great intro. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it gets you pumped, huh? Now, I should note that you and your new husband of six months just had an amazing overseas trip. We're going to discuss that because I want to get more information. But first things first, I don't know about you, Ash, but I'm not a cold-weather person, and it seemed like this winter just didn't want to end. We even had a little snow in April. But it's mid-May now, and we've finally been getting some nice weather, this week's rain notwithstanding. And one of the things we can do for our fitness outside is walking and running. You wrote a great piece in March about running, and you provided several tips on what to do to improve your stride, as you put it. Rather than just going out there and jogging, you suggested a comprehensive conditioning circuit. So what's involved in that? That's a great point. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people, they say the sun is out, I had cabin fever, I need to get outside, and they go for a jog, and then that's the first and the last run of the entire year because they hurt their <laughs> muscles, their joints are sore. We've all been there, right? Um, oh, it's yeah. really important to do a conditioning program leading up to your running and kind of in between the days you choose to go outside for cardio. And that also pertains to cycling or walking, whatever kind of cardio or aerobics you're doing. Um, so that comes down to just mixing in balance exercises, things to kind of strengthen your joints, stability exercises, and core work as well. Um, I really enjoy that piece because a lot of people do one-dimensional exercises and they end up injuring themselves and kind of wishing that they never worked out in the first place. 
And we should mention that, although you can't see, you know, a demonstration of this listening on, you know, the Internet radio, uh, you can go to philly.com and type in Ashley Greenblatt, and you'll see her past columns, and uh, you'll see a lot of this stuff. And you'll see her talking about this regarding glute grinders and plank twists and <laughs> box jumps and all that other fun stuff. Are you a runner yourself, Ashley? You know, I used to run, and the last race, it's actually how I met my husband. We met at the Philly 10K, and again, that was like my first time I was like, I think I'm done. I think you hit a certain point sometimes where your body's like, I'd love to help you out, but I'm checking out. I'm pulling the chute, no more running. So I try to do it like once every couple weeks. But um, I like more of like the rare type exercises, like where you do balance, yoga, things that kind of strengthen total body uh, parts instead of just cardio alone. Well, speaking of body parts, you mentioned that it's also a good time right now to start working on those arms that have been covered up all winter, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, my gosh. Under layers and layers of, uh, of different cable net sweaters. But, yeah, I, um, I think it's important because people forget that there's more than just uh, aerobics. You know, you have all different body parts that stay hidden throughout the winter, especially your, your arms. And that's kind of like the beach body workout. Um, I find that men tend to do a lot of biceps and triceps. Women do a lot of cardio. Um, it's important to mix in exercises that are comprehensive for your entire upper body. So that was a fun piece to try to do something more than just a bicep curl because that gets really boring, I think. Um, did more of a total body upper body workout, if that makes sense, like where you're including squats to your shoulder presses or doing a lunge with your bicep curl. So you're burning more calories and you're not numbing your brain in the process. Hey, another outdoor activity, although it's not one I've seen you write about previously, is swimming. Now, we just opened the Chesco pool two days ago, and I can't wait to start using it again. What are your thoughts about swimming as a fitness tool? Oh, love swimming. I can't wait. I can't wait to come over and barbecue. That sounds great. I was just saying that's what we're <laughs> missing. We're, like, stuck in a city here. Um, yeah, swimming's outstanding because, one, it's very low impact on the joints which is ideal at any age. Um, I find that people at a certain point say, oh, I have to watch out for my joints when it's really preventative. You should start that at a younger age. Um, cardio that is easy on the joints, gets your heart rate up, uh, doesn't burn as many calories as most people think unless you're at like a Michael Phelps level, um, which I don't know about you. I know I'm definitely not there. Um, no. <laughs> I wish. I know he eats like... 4,000 calories or 14,000 <laughs> calories a day uh, to stay fueled. But yes, yeah, swimming's great. I think anytime you could switch up your cardio routine, it's ideal because it keeps you from getting bored and, um, and it's easy on the body. I'm going to admit this right here. I did not learn to swim until I was a freshman in college and when I had to uh, to pass the you know, gym class or whatever. So I'm not a great swimmer even today, but I'll tell you this. I have mastered taking it easy on one of those floating lounge chairs in the pool uh, <laughs> drinking a beer. Unfortunately, that's my major pool activity every summer, but I'm good at it. That's our, You know what? You have to be good at something. And then it, even bringing that the arm from your side to your mouth, <laughs> that's like a little bit of a cardio and resistance, right? <laughs> there you go. You know it. You know it. Hey, as people get older, there are more aches and pains, of course. I'll vouch for that. You recently gave some suggestions to help offset knee and back discomforts, uh, discomfort. And one of the tips you mentioned was squats, which, as you noted, hmm. often get a bad rap. So squats are yeah. okay. Is that right? 
Okay, so that's a tricky one. So squats, when done properly, that's the caveat there. It has to be done with proper form, yep. uh, which a lot of people don't do properly. Um, you know, a good test for yourself is if you sit down in a chair and seeing the way that your body mechanically moves from that sitting to standing position, if you find that you're grabbing onto the armrest to elevate yourself and kind of propel yourself upward, or if your knees kind of knock on your way up, that's when they're not so safe. But if you practice Uh-oh. a chair squat, yeah, that's a – most people <laughs> don't realize it until they're like, oh, my gosh, my knees are killing me. Um, I think on my tombstone one day it's going to say all your weights should be in your heels because I know that I drive my clients nuts. I say that constantly. All your weight has to be in your heels. If you drive through your heels, that's more of a posterior dominant way of getting up where most people press on the balls of their feet, and then you get a lot of sheer force on your knees. So now with that, go ahead. Yeah, no, just, yeah, it's all about form. Nothing's dangerous if you do it the right way. In that same column about uh, offsetting knee and back discomfort, you mentioned things like Swiss ball leg curls using one of those stability balls and reverse lunges, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I prefer the reverse lunge to a walking lunge because your foot is planted, so the knee joint is less susceptible to wobbling which makes it more secure and stable during the exercise. And the Swiss ball is just a way to kind of fancy up uh, hamstring exercises, which is right in the back of the leg, and they normally get ignored, and that kind of can contribute to lower back problems when those muscles are imbalanced. Speaking of which, to help with lower back pain, you suggested standard planks and side planks. Now, again, we can't see you right now, but can you describe planks and side planks? I'm actually planking right now. That's so funny you ask. <laughs> no, I, um, I love planks. I think they're great. Um, the reason they're so beneficial is because it's a total body exercise. Even though you're not moving at all, incredibly challenging. It works all the muscles in your abdominal area. It works your shoulders, your chest, your back. Believe it or not, your legs and your glutes as well. Um, I like stability exercises because I think it's an aspect of fitness a lot of people neglect, and you really get that when you do these side and standard planks. And they can be switched up. There's a lot of different variations that make them very effective. One reason a lot of people give for not exercising is time constraints. I admit it, I'm guilty, but you say you can get a great workout and burn a significant amount of calories with a nice 20-minute high-intensity interval training session and the only thing you might need beyond some motivation, of course, is a yoga mat. So what's involved? So, yeah, that's uh, very trendy right now, these high-intensity interval training workouts. It's 20 minutes because who really has time to dedicate that much more in a busy day? And the idea is you're going all out, maximum capacity that you can do for 20 minutes with very short rest in between. So the idea is that your heart rate never drops below a certain point and you're burning more calories and more fuel, and it's uh, actually safer on the body when done with proper form because you're not really forcing your body to work for hours and hours on end. It's kind of like a car, right? Like you want to make sure that you give it mm-hmm. the proper maintenance. You can't run a car for too long without the engine burning out. So they're really great. Anything else we should know about these 20-minute HIITs? Anything else you should know? I think it's important to work your way up to this. Uh, You don't want to go in, say, I'm not going to stop or rest at all for 20 minutes. I'm just going to go all out and do jumps and squats and uh, bring myself to the verge of a heart attack pretty much because it really is intense. 
it's right in right in the title of it, and it's not misleading. Uh, my advice for it would definitely be start with small increments and give yourself longer rest periods. And as you become comfortable and familiar with the exercises, then start to shorten your rest in between. You mentioned that's one of the hot trends these days, uh, the high-intensity interval training sessions. Uh, what else is trending right now? Like, I haven't been to an actual gym in about five years, I'll be honest. So what is, what is hot right now? What is hot right now? Well, boutique fitness places are really big, but you're going to laugh. We're saying high-intensity interval. They're now talking about low-intensity interval training. So hmm. this is the one thing I notice when you're overseas. There's no gyms anywhere because you're just active. It's like we're trying to uh, reinvent the wheel too many times with these, uh, these different trends. So, so the idea here is that you are now moving very slow <laughs> through your fitness routine to kind of maximize your, your results. So low-intensity training now, just to make people totally crazy. <laughs> hmm. Now, because I'm getting older, one of your Sunday columns that really caught my attention, Ash, was your advice on slowing down the signs of aging. It sounds too good to be well, true, some age-defined workouts, none of which seem overly difficult. So what are we talking about here? Okay, so that just comes down to stress reduction. Um, that's a big culprit for a lot of, I'm not claiming to have, you know, a secret elixir for uh, the fountain of youth, but things that reduce stress, things that keep your joints happy and healthy, um, jolly joints are important because I find that that's the big thing people seem to complain about the most that's age-related. Um, stretching, flexibility training, uh, making sure you incorporate cardio, especially as you get older, at least four to five times a week. Again, that doesn't have to be like, you're going for sprints, but just something to keep your heart healthy um, and your joints moving. Because the more you move, even though it's tempting when you're sore to not move, your joints are being lubricated from that activity. So um, that was a really great article in terms of, I mean, I hope it helps people because I find that uh, exercise as you get older can be a little intimidating if you get some aches and pains. But in fact, it's the total opposite. It helps you out. Yeah, I remembered you said multi-joint movements and propping up your posture, just, you know, thinking about your posture all the time. So good advice for sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I find that so many people sit at a desk during the day, and we don't even realize how poor our posture is. You start to look like a stork, you know, like where the neck is totally craned forward, and the body kind of adjusts and adapts and kind of sticks in that position over time. So it's important to take a break and really squeeze your shoulder blades together and relax your neck and um, make sure that your posture is kind of perfect as much as you can. Speaking of working at an office, what about the old afternoon slump? What fatigue-fighting <laughs> tips can you give us? Oh, afternoon slump, we all suffer from that. Uh, so what starts to happen is, speaking of posture, we start to slump, and as a result, our lungs kind of collapse inward, and we're not getting as much air to our brain, and as a result, we get tired. Um, same thing goes for if you're having lunch and maybe you have some sugary snacks to get that high, and then you feel like you crash right after. It's important to snack on healthy, low-sugar um, ingredients throughout the day. Keep your body moving whenever possible. Uh, get up, walk around, take the steps for a little bit, walk over to a cubicle instead of calling someone. Um, things to just keep your circulation pumping is really ideal for avoiding and dodging that terrible 2 p.m. bleh slump. 
Lots of great advice, Ashley. Now, before we wrap up, I want to hear about your vacation. You and your husband went all over Italy, did you not? Where'd you go? Oh, it was wonderful. Bellissimo. It was just so wonderful. I'm going through pictures uh, earlier today, and we went to Florence and Rome, and we were down in the Amalfi Coast, and it just couldn't be more perfect. So I highly recommend anyone that has not been to Italy, go. You must go. And we heard some places, you know, they don't treat foreigners, tourists all that well. I'm not talking about you, France. Well, maybe I am. But what about in Italy? <laughs> How were you treated by uh, <laughs> the Italians over there? Did they, did they uh, give you a, you know, a nice welcome? Did they take care of you? Yeah, the Italians, everyone was very helpful. Um, I find it funny. I speak with my hands a lot. So that kind of became a sign language between asking, a, you know, for judo, I was, like, doing different things to kind of, like, explain what I was asking for. Very nice. And uh, the only thing you have to watch for there is the driving. Um, you really are taking your life into your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's kind of crazy there. But, uh, you know, you don't hear horns. Um, people have a better way of life there, I think. And, and you don't gain weight. You just eat and you don't gain weight. How great is that? How is that possible? You know, I was wondering that because we were joking. My husband and I, like, we just had our third dinner. We just had our second breakfast. How are we not ballooned at this point? <laughs> um, and I think you're just constantly moving, and they have siestas, and it's just a slow pace, and they don't have cookie diets and processed foods, and people just seem to enjoy life. And I think that stress-free environment really uh, resonates. So it works. It worked. It was wonderful. Tell me two or three of the favorite things that you saw while in Italy. Mm, it's so hard to narrow it down. Uh, two or three things. We went to the Vatican. We had an incredible experience at St. Peter's Basilica. So that for sure was up there. Um, what else? Capri. Outstanding. If you're able to go and take a boat ride around the island. And listen to, we were lucky enough, we had Dean Martin playing. It was, like, very romantic and Whoa. wonderful. And uh, let's give you a third one here. Florence. Uh, the Ponte Vecchio was beautiful. Um, and the people. Just everything. I Like, I could go on for hours, which I will spare you, but it was just, uh, it's one of those places where you go and it makes you reassess the way you look at your life. <laughs> Not Fantastic. And as I mentioned, my, my wife and I are hoping to get there either next year or the year after, but we're pushing for next year. So that would be great. And I'll talk to you again for some more advice. And Ashley, yeah. tell our listeners again, tell us uh, where they can find your columns and any other contact info you want to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. So I can be reached uh, at Ashley at AshleyBlakeFitness.com. And the website is AshleyBlakeFitness.com. And we're working on a lot of really cool stuff um, for aging adults and for mental health and exercises effects on um, all different demographics and different people. And please reach out even just to say hi. Yeah. And I check your columns out every Sunday in the inquiry. You, you can also uh, find them online. Uh, you put them on Facebook during the middle of the week. So great stuff. Ashley yeah. Blake Greenblatt, you do a great job on the health and fitness beat for philly.com. Thanks Ashley. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.
Let's take a little break right now and allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. By now, you know the Irish Rover has a terrific bunch of dinners, steaks, chickens, ribs, several varieties of burgers, awesome sandwiches and wraps, and yeah, those superb gourmet wings. Every Wednesday evening, it's trivia night at the Irish Rover. There are monthly Phillies tailgate events at the Rover. The next one coming up the evening of Thursday the 31st. You'll always find Phillies and NBA and NHL playoff games on the Rover's many big TVs and 24 beers on tap, plus a great bunch of bartenders and waitstaff. Oh, next month, the Irish Rover's annual Father's Day car show. More about that in the weeks ahead. It is the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. It's Bam Bam time. The world is a vampire. He claims to be WMMR's resident vampire, so yeah, it might have made sense to use that song clip to introduce this guest, but nah, I chose something else that would also be appropriate. His faithful listeners will understand. Here's our chat. Get ready for a fun conversation, because joining me right now is one of the most entertaining individuals I've ever met and a Philadelphia radio legend. WMMR's Jackie Bam Bam. Hey, Jackie, you're talking to me on Philly Press Box Radio, of course, because of your vast sports knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) You said fun and entertaining. I'll take that. I don't know about legend, but thanks so much, Chef, for having me. Okay, so you're not a sports expert, but you've always been supportive of our teams, and I have a hunch you become a big fan of Eagle Center Jason Kelsey. You like that mummer suit he was wearing from the Avalon string band. Yeah, he gets his hair cut, I believe, from a wife of a member in Avalon, and that's how that happened. I was blown away. So thank you for representing the mummers. And I am a big sports fan, man. Now, you want to talk old school? We'll talk old school. <laughs> Michael Jack Schmidt, Larry Bella. We can talk old school. All right. I want to talk mummers, first of all. How the heck? Okay. People don't know. How the heck did you become a mummer? Well, as you can tell from my slow Philadelphia draw, I'm born and raised in South Philadelphia, and my father was a mummer. And uh, I believe my first parade, I want to say 1970, I've been in all five divisions, comics, fancies, fancy brigade, string dances, that's four or five, I forget. But yeah, it's not New Year's Day without me going around City Hall and with my family and the mummers. I just love it. It's a great tradition. Right now, I'm with the string bands because there's no more mother club at the fancies, but I'm all about it, man, yes. My theory was that when you joined MLS, you thought the call letters were an acronym for mummer and that, you know, it was an unwritten rule, but you had to become one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I do the mummer seventh inning strut every weeknight at 10 o'clock and mummers call in. I think it's just great. That's really why I'm there. No, the real reason why I'm at MMR is because I want to say I work with Pierre Robert. He's the legend. He is a legend. Let's talk MMR. 93.3 is celebrating its 50th anniversary this year. You had the official birthday concert with Bon Jovi on May 3rd, but you're also celebrating with an MM archive performance every weekday at 1.30, 5.30, and 9.30, and highlighting a different year of MMR's existence each weekend, which is pretty cool. And this Saturday at Camden's BB&T Pavilion, it's one of my favorite events every spring, the MM Barbecue. Who's on the bill this year, Jackie? 
This is a great one. STP, Allison Chains, Ghost from Sweden. In the presence of Wolves, one of Jackson's local shops opened the show. Rag Key, three siblings from Missouri. Dorothy, Dorothy Martin's band. Oh, record company from Los Angeles. Jonathan Davis of Corn. And this is all off the top of my head, people. I don't have it in front of me, but uh, I think I said eight. And I'll be on the, they're calling it the Sequoia Outback Party Plaza this year, where I do my meet and greet thing. And uh, it's a gathering of the full-time vampires. Get there early in the presence of wolves, just blowing the skies open and the gates open. We kick off the summer season, and it's just a great time. Whether you like the bands or not, everybody gets together, and it's just a fun family atmosphere concert, so to speak. Yep, I'll be there. Wouldn't miss it. Jackie, in addition to the great music, the other thing that makes MMR so successful, in my opinion, is how awesome every Every single one of you guys is with the public. Lots of charitable events and public appearances. And everybody from the station is very friendly with everyone, always willing to say hello or take a photo. You know I'm a picture guy. And all of that has a positive impact, I think. Yeah, I tell you, we take a thing or two from Pierre Robert's book, and if you go turn on another radio station, you go to any other radio station events, not as many, I, I, I haven't found one like WMMR, going out, meeting people, it means so much more than just talking on the radio and playing the music, and each and every DJ or radio personality brings something to the table, from the Preston Steve Show, on the Pierre, on the Jackson, on the myself, on the Brent Push, on the Overnights, and our Weekend Warriors, everybody brings a little slice of the pie. And, you know, I could talk hours about each DJ. And we got to thank uh, Man About Town, Bill Weston, our great WMMR program director, because, man, that guy recognizes talent, and he puts it all together. He's the conductor of the train wreck orchestra. <laughs> well, now you're on the air every weeknight, and while every show is pretty good, you're really up the ante on Friday nights. Explain to people who haven't heard it just what the hell happens on MMR between 7 and midnight every Friday. We got the power to play whatever the F we want. Thanks to Man About Town, Bill Weston. The beauty of you call it Friday night is I interact with people. Anybody can interact. Anybody can look at a texter and a Twitter, Facebook, and Grammar. And I'm all on that. I'll plug myself here at Jackie Bam Bam 933. But you know what? Just reading somebody's name in a town and, hey, I want to hear uh, Black Sabbath or here. I want to hear Slayer Pantera. By the way, you don't get to hear them artists too often on the radio. Saturday night you hear that, but we go beyond. There's no genre. It's slow, fast, anything you want to hear. I take listeners' requests all night long. You know, I played Eric Bird the animals last week for his birthday i played the animals doing john lee hooker boom boom i do a jackie's jukebox on that show we wrap it up we play 50s 40s music anything i mean iron maiden our mandatory maiden pick of the week the vintage local shot at 11 10 o'clock we indulge in 80s hairspray 80s metal so we take care of all types of music on the show for five hours and we don't repeat anything and i don't think you're going to find that anywhere else on the dial even on satellite radio it's one of a kind show and pierre and endorses it so does bill weston it's just it's an amazing show it's like me and you chet sitting in my basement right now putting on on an old sort of cassette tape <laughs> heck you even hear the banana splits theme every week which i love one banana two banana three banana four four bananas make a bunch of soda many more yeah, we can't start without the split. Sha-la-la. It's a big mess of fun, as Absolutely. Said. A must-listen. Hey, Jackie, before I let you go, let's play a quick game of Fast Five. Five easy questions, five brief answers. Okay? Chet, I will be brief for as long as it takes. All right. Number one, your Twitter profile pic is a great shot of you with Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. Are you ever intimidated or nervous when meeting big-time rock stars like those guys? I am, but then once I meet them, I'm not. 
a year or two back, you wore a different Rolling Stones T-shirt every day for, well, several months, I think it was. What was the final count? How many Stones shirts are in your collection? I think when we did that, it was 225. I think I'm up to about 250 now. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm pretty sure the Stones are your favorite band. What artists would beat number two on the list? Oh, you put me to it. Uh, <laughs> I, you know where it comes from. I'm blues guy, Chuck Berry, and, of course, Rod Stewart and the Faces. Rex, New York Dolls, anything that's real and raw in your face. Number four, we saw a lot of huge bands go into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame over the last couple of years. Journey, Yes, Bon Jovi, The Cars, Dire Straits, etc. Name two or three artists who are not in the Rock and Roll Hall, but should be. Oh, off the top of my head, John Wade, The Babies. Jay Giles didn't get in, right? Right, yeah. they're still out. Off the top of my head, you said two right there. I'd say John Waite, the Babies, the Jay Giles band. There's so many of them, man. My list, Bad Company, Jethro Tull, Judas Priest, and the great Warren Zevon. And lawyers, guns, and money. I agree with you right there. Warren Zevon, why he's not in, and Priest got snubbed this year. Not fair. All right, number five, best concert you've seen in the last five years. Man, Saturday Night Red of Van Fleet really blew me away. Bruce Springsteen at the ballpark, sitting at the tippy-tippy top with Kevin Gunn, our Bruce expert, next to me. The skyline behind the stage. I looked at my girlfriend. I said, this has got to be one of the best shows we've ever saw. And he did Bobby Jean from Born in the USA, one of my favorite tunes. So that was one of my favorites off the top of my head. Ah, you can't go wrong with the boss. Hey, we have about 30 seconds. Let me sneak in a bonus question, Jackie. Since you built yourself as NMR's resident vampire, I need to ask, what's your favorite vampire movie? My favorite vampire movie? Mm. I'm going with the classic, man, Dracula. I thought you were going to ask me about King Dracula spelled backwards. You have to ask Mama Bam Bam about that. I don't know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand that, but I'll ask Mama and see what she says. Hey, follow this guy on Twitter. You'll be glad you did, at JackieBamBam933. As expected, this was a blast. Thanks, Jackie. Back to my coffin. You hear my coffin calling, Jackie Bam Bam, spell on the line, damn it, puppy Bam Bam. There he is, Jackie Bam Bam. See, I told you that would be fun. And hopefully I'll see some of you at the MM Barbecue this Saturday in Camden, as we mentioned, several good bands on the schedule and always a good time. We're going to be joined by Mike Sealski in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk uh, all things Philly sports, including the Sixers and what they need to do in the offseason. And the Phillies, are they for real? Speaking of the Phils, they won one down in Baltimore today. They played much of the game in the rain, but they did get it in. The Phillies hanging on for a 4-1 to victory. Nick Pavetta throwing a real good game, seven innings, just two hits allowed, and he also struck out 11 along the way. So Pavetta has had several good games this season, and if he can do that on a regular basis and join, you know, the guys at the top of the rotation, Nola and Arietta, that's a pretty good staff right there. Plus, you know, Zach, Uff- Zach Eflin has had two real good starts since he's been up. So things are certainly looking up for the Phils. We have Carlos Santana, who's starting to hit a little bit right now. Nick Williams has come off the bench a couple of times. I think he had a hit or two today also when he got a start. So the Phillies right now 24-16 and 16 at the quarter point of the season, just a half game out of first. So not bad at all. Now we're going to keep things moving, and we have another guest. We have a busy guy. He is a wonderful sports columnist with the Inquirer and Philly.com. And he's a good dad, too, as he's fresh from attending some sort of school concert featuring his first-grade son. Mike Sielski. Hey, Mike. 
Hi, Ken. How you doing? Good. How was the little concert? Uh, it was wonderful. I got to see my first grader sing uh, This Land is Your Land and singing in the rain, so it was, uh, it was a triumphant success. Awesome, awesome. And, Mike, if my analytics guy is correct, this is your sixth visit to Philly Press Box Radio, so that is much appreciated. Now, first thing, thank you. The the first thing wasn't really on my initial agenda, but uh, the Supreme Court ruling that came down Monday that gives states the green light to legalize betting on sports, what will the impact of that be on the sports world, do you think? Well, I'm hoping that it uh, it helps people like me. Uh, It helps you know, people who run television networks and the teams and, and all of that stuff and that, you know, an activity that it kind of, relatively speaking, been in the shadows um, can kind of come into full light. And, you know, I, I, I mean, I think that um, it, it's one of those things where, we, as I said, we'd always kind of known it was going on. Everybody, you know, it's not as if people are going to suddenly, millions of people are going to be betting on sports for the first time in their lives. Uh, but I just, I'm always in favor of um, openness and upfrontedness, I guess, as much as possible. So I, I don't personally see a whole lot of downside to this. Um, I'm kind of a libertarian uh, mindset sort of guy when it comes to things like this. I thought the law, the, the initial federal law, was kind of silly. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I don't understand why, you know, we needed a federal law about this. This is something that should have been handed down to the states all along. So uh, while I'm curious to see, you know, if there are any potential ramifications of this, and particularly with respect to college basketball or college football, um, I think on the whole this is going to be a pretty good thing. Yeah, that's the one concern, that the integrity of the sport might be jeopardized. We hope that doesn't happen. Let's talk a little Sixers. Uh, a team that was thought to be a 500 squad and perhaps snag the eighth seed in the playoffs ends up winning 52 regular season games, earning a third seed, winning a playoff series. So now that they lost in five games to the Celtics, Mike, can we still call this a successful 76ers season? Well, I think that with every Celtics victory over the Cavaliers, the Sixers season gets more and more successful, <laughs> relatively speaking. <laughs> um, you know, I, I think you have to call it a success. Look, if you, had, if you had gone into the year, you know, as you kind of alluded to, saying the Sixers are going to win 52 games and a playoff round, you'd say, sign me up for that. Um, and I think, you know, as important as that, were a couple of things. Number one, we found out Joel Embiid, relatively speaking, can stay healthy for a full season. We found out that Ben Simmons can be a point guard. We found out, with respect to those two players, now we know what they have to work on to improve to become even better than the, the talented, potential-filled youngsters they already are. We found out for certain that Brett Brown can coach. Now, is he the best coach in the NBA? No, but now we know that he, when, he, when you give him talent, he can mold that into an effective winning team, and I think that's a good thing. Um, they still have a lot of unanswered questions. Markel Fultz at the top of the list. Um, you know, the offseason to me is going to be endlessly fascinating in terms of who they pursue and, you know, the reasons they go about pursuing those players, whether it's LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, or a name perhaps that hasn't been mentioned yet. Um, I think they're at a, they're at a really, really interesting place in their development as a team. And I think that, you know, assuming Brian Colangelo doesn't foul this up royally, I think they're going to be in really good shape uh, come the beginning of next season. Getting back to Coach Brett Brown, you wrote a piece just hours ago advocating something that we do think will happen soon, a nice contract extension for the coach. Are you sure that he's the guy that can take this team all the way? 
I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, as I wrote in the piece, if you look around the NBA, I'm not sure how many other coaches you would rather have at this point than Brett Brown. Certainly in the Eastern Conference, I could only come up with two who were clear-cut, you're even really debatable guys who you'd say, oh, yeah, I would take him before I take Brett. And that's Brad Stevens, obviously, from the Celtics, and Eric Spolster from the Miami Heat. So, um, you know, look, put in his time. Um, you know, I mean, he knew what he signed up for when he took the job, and he put in his time over those, you know, awful first three seasons and that less bad fourth season. But as you saw this past year, given talent, he was able, you know, to turn that into a 52-win team. He took a big risk, I, risk, I think, turning Ben Simmons into a point guard, and even that turned out, you know, very, very well, uh, you know, especially considering that Simmons doesn't have a jump shot to speak of. So um, I think he's proven that he deserves this extension. Um, I think this quiets the questions um, that, that, you know, have come up around him um, and maybe in some respects have been more acute during that Celtics series. I think it's fair to say that Brad Stevens outcoached him. I just don't think the gap between Stevens and Brown is as wide as certain people are making it out to be. Mike, as you mentioned, there are lots of things that have to be addressed this offseason, and maybe none bigger than whether Markel Fultz is a potential key player or a bust. What is your fearless Fultz forecast, Mike? I have no idea, Chet. I really don't. <laughs> I, wrote a column a couple, I wrote a column a couple of months ago um, in which I argued and still believe, and I think has been borne out by the evidence, that the Sixers really fouled this up by, by kind of pussyfooting around the issue as much as they did. Um, you know, he had a mental block about shooting the basketball. However that came about, whether it was an initial shoulder injury or something got into his head or whatever the case may be, he had this mental block, and he needed to get over it, and he needed to get over it by having the Sixers say, this is the plan we have for you. We're going to be upfront about what your problem is. We're going to stop dangling you in front of the media at the end of practices and before games where you're, you know, taking, you know, shooting the ball and everybody's using their iPhones to record your shot and analyzing it over Twitter and social media and all this stuff. And we're just going to get your head right. Um, I don't think much was gained by having him play the few games he did in the regular season. I don't think anything at all was gained by having him play against the Heat because he was a non-factor and, and was even a liability out there. So that raises even more questions than you might otherwise have. But having said all that, he was a terrific player in his freshman year at Washington, and he's still only 19 or 20. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that if, if he can grow up, you know, if he matures, and I mean emotionally and physically, I think a, a, a key component of this is just that he develops physically. I think part of this, part of his trouble stems from the fact that up until this point, he was kind of a man among boys, and now he was a boy among men. And I think that played into, it was a kind of a shock to his system, and that played into the mental block, so to speak, that he had shooting the basketball and doing what he needed to do on the court. And I think his natural growth process, as long as, it's, as the Sixers kind of keep him on the straight and narrow, could pull him out of this. But it's an open question at this point. I don't know what you're going to get out of it. All right, so they got to figure that out, get Fultz, you know, on track. they got to get Ben Simmons a jump shot. Joel Embiid needs better conditioning. What about yep. LeBron? Do you go after LeBron, and do you think it will happen? A, yes, 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 a thousand times yes. He is the best player <laughs> of this generation. He would, I would argue he would be the best player of probably the previous generation. If he wants to come here and you're able to make it happen, you make it happen. 
Will it happen? That I don't know. I mean, everybody makes a lot of this connection between uh, him and Ben Simmons. You know, they're, they're, they're tied together through, you know, their agency and, you know, their friendships with Maverick Carter and all this kind of stuff. Um, maybe that's a huge factor. I don't know. I can't read LeBron James' mind. Um, you know, I do think that the more that the Celtics pull away from the Cavaliers in this series, I think it's natural to think that that will lead LeBron to want to leave Cleveland and embark somewhere else because he'll want to win a championship somewhere else, whether that's going to be in Los Angeles with the Lakers, Houston with the Rockets, Philly with the Sixers or some other team. I really don't know. I think the Sixers would be a good fit. Um, I think it would work, you know, from a, from a pure basketball standpoint, it would work out well. Whether it's going to happen or not, I, I, I can't say at this point. Going to be interesting. All right, let's turn our attention to the Phillies. Their win today puts them at 24-16 and 16 at the quarter turn of the season. They're a half game out of first as we speak, and they're on pace for, yes, 97 wins. Now, that's probably not going to happen, but, heck, we didn't think the Eagles were legitimate title contenders last September or October either. So what are we to make of Gabe Kapler's gang, Mike? Well, I think today their their victory over Baltimore, that 4-1 to win in, at Camden Yards, was an indication of um, if, if they're going to sustain this, all the elements that they would need were in that game. First of all, they wear down the opposing starting pitcher. You know, Cesar Hernandez leads off the top of the sixth, the third go-round against him with a home run, um, and things kind of snowball from there. Secondly, when you have – Aaron Nola and Jake Arrieta at the top of your rotation, you're in pretty good shape two out of every five days. The key to staying in the playoff race is going to be starters three through five. And if Nick Cavetta can find some consistency and pitch even remotely close like he did today when he struck out 11 and allowed, what, one run over seven innings, boy, they are going to be in great shape. If Zach Eflin can keep pitching the way he has so far early this season – you know, if you can get even competent starts out of a fifth starter, that's going to be the key to this. I think they're going to hit. I mean, when you think about it, Reese Hoskins has hit well at times. He has not been the, the lights-out, you know, middle-of-the-order uh, pounder that we thought he would be um, from the beginning of the season through to this point. Uh, he's had hot and cold spells. Um, you know, Odubel Herrera has been terrific. I think Carlos Santana obviously is coming around. They're going to hit. The issue is can the back half of that starting rotation – and the bullpen do what it needs to do. And today was a really good indication that if it can, boy, things are really looking up for this team. Right at the beginning of the season, we had Tom McCarthy on with us, and then we had Chris Wheeler the following week. And I asked both of them, you know, which pitcher beyond that top two might be a pleasant surprise this year, and they both immediately said Nick Pavetta. So I hope they're right, and he does look good a lot of the time. So that would be certainly a key. Um, I want to get back oh, to uh, the bullpen. Just... Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I mean, he made, he made more than 20 starts for them last year and had an ERA over six. And you have to be really good to be allowed to make that many starts when your ERA is that bad. So he's got to have something there, and he's shown it so far this year. It's really a pleasant surprise, a pleasant thing to see. The bullpen. We know about Hector Neris' struggles. Um, he did get the final out today, but Gabe is saying he's going to go with kind of a bullpen by committee, whatever the matchups tell him. Can that work? I'm curious to see. I've heard both sides of this issue. I've, I've talked to relief pitchers over my time covering baseball. Some of them have said, you can pitch me whenever. Some of them have said, I need to have a defined role, and the bullpen's members need to have defined roles. Um, you know, I thought today it was simply a matter of 
a low-risk situation where you had a chance to get Hector Neris some confidence back. And it wasn't the worst idea in the world for Kapler to do that. If Neris didn't get Chris Davis out, okay, we go to somebody else and maybe we get out of the inning that way. Um, you know, I, 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 they're going to try it. Um, and maybe this is the kind of thing that toughens a bullpen up over the course of a season. I wonder sometimes if, you know, when you get down to a pennant race, when, when it's all hands-on, can guys got to pitch whenever they got to pitch, um, if, if a bullpen that's not accustomed to that would necessarily fare as well. So maybe there's a method here to, to what seems to be a little bit of madness from Gabe Cap. What do you think, a wild card contender or not for the Phils? I think it's. I think they can be a wild card contender. I do. Um, like I said, having Nola, who is a, an absolute bona fide ace, and having Jake Arrieta, who is, you know, and while not the pitcher he was in 2015, still terrific. Um, that's a one-two punch. That, like I said, if you get anything out of the back half of that rotation that approaches being competent, you're going to be in good shape. Now, one final thing, Mike. You wrote a great column in mid-March about Philadelphia's best-ever coaches, made for some great discussion on Sports Talk Radio and on social media. I'm sure most of our listeners saw it, but if not, spoiler alert, your top five were old-time, long-time Philadelphia A's manager Connie Mack at number one, followed by Fred Sherrill, Billy Cunningham, Charlie Manuel, and at number five, Jay Wright. Now, with Jay's Villanova Wildcats winning a second title in three years, a couple of weeks after your column, does he move up on that list? He might jump to number four, actually, yeah. Um, I, I'm just – I think it's one of the great as – much as, as much praise as Jay gets from the Philadelphia region, I, I almost think what he's accomplished at Villanova is, is underappreciated. He has turned this program into the crown jewel of NCAA men's college basketball, and he's done it without the bells and whistles and, you know, um, well, I would almost say firepower – that some of the other marquee programs in the country have. He's not Kentucky. He's not Duke. He's not North Carolina. Villanova doesn't have the facilities uh, and the Division One football money pouring in that those schools do, and yet he's managed to figure out exactly what kind of player he wants to recruit. He's managed to find guys who want to stay more than one year, giving him an edge um, that right now I think every other coach in the country is looking at him and saying – can I do it the way Jay Wright does it? And, you know, the other factor is, and you'd appreciate this as a longtime follower of Philadelphia sports, there is such separation between Villanova and every other school in the Big Five and the other schools in the Big East that, you know, it's almost unprecedented. It's certainly unprecedented in the Big Five, and I would venture to say it's probably unprecedented in the Big East, which has this, you know, long, illustrious history. What he's doing in Villanova is simply amazing to me, and, you know, he's going to end up inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame someday. And, uh, you know, God bless him because, uh, you know, a couple of years into his tenure at Villanova, people were calling for his head. And uh, you don't hear too many people saying things like that anymore. And he's going to have three or four guys drafted in the first round of next month's NBA draft, too, which is pretty impressive. Yep, it's looking that way. Dante DiVincenzo may have played himself into a heck of a contract and a first-round draft pick with that NCAA tournament he had. Mike, Doug Peterson wasn't in the list of 13 names on your list of greatest coaches due to just two years on the job, of course, I'm guessing. Is he the real deal who may end up as an all-time great? I think so. I think I had him tied for 13th uh, among four 
Uh, I had four guys kind of okay. rushed at the end there. But, yeah, yeah, to answer your question, I think that that possibility is there. I think what's interesting to me about Doug is that his personality and approach aligned perfectly with the kind of team he had last year. You know, if you're going to be that aggressive, if you're going to walk on the wire on fourth down as often as, you, as Doug did, I don't think you can be a real true taskmaster as a head coach. Um, you need to have players relaxed and feeling good about themselves. And Doug is that. Doug is a player's coach. So I think it's going to be incumbent upon Howie Roseman in the front office to keep finding players who fit Doug's personality and Doug's way of doing things. And as long as they keep doing that, proved himself to be a terrific play caller, a terrific offensive mind. As long as he's got Carson Wentz there or, you know, even Nick Foles, I guess, um, you know, he's going to be fine. I think I think the Eagles may have stumbled into, you know, a terrific, terrific NFL head coach. Hmm. It's pretty amazing considering the mess they were in when they fired Chip Kelly and started that search. And I stand corrected. Yeah, you had him at number 12 on your list. So, yeah, Doug did make the cut. See? Don't, don't test me there, Chet. <laughs> Yep, yep, yep. I knew you would know. Mike, always great to talk with you. Enjoy your summer, and hopefully we'll do this again in a few months down the road. I always enjoy it, Chad. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, you can't go wrong with a little Johnny Cash, right? All right, a reminder to check out our website every day, phillypressboxradio.com. We post daily articles summarizing the big topics on the Philly sports scene. We write some articles as well, such as mine this week, about what will be a very important offseason for the 76ers. We have links to our shows, Vimeos, and our sponsors' pages as well. Be sure to check it out each day at phillypressboxradio.com. All right, in a shocking development, I did not prepare a parting shot for this week. Preparing for this week's three superb guests took a lot out of me, frankly, and I had nothing left in terms of putting together a little end-of-show commentary, so please forgive me. In fact, we're going to finish a little bit early tonight, because I'm not used to talking this much, because you know, normally Bill is with me, and I don't have to talk and talk and talk like I did tonight. So we're going to end you know, nine or ten minutes early for a change. That will do it for this week's. Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable. We somehow got through it, even without the vacationing Bill Furman. Enjoy the rest of your time in Hawaii, Chief. Pretty sure that won't be a problem. Thanks to my very special guests, Mike Sealski, Ashley Blake Greenblatt, and the wild and wonderful Jackie Bam Bam. Thanks also to the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Bill, who's probably enjoying a tropical beverage right about now, this is Jim Chetchesko, hoping you enjoyed the show and will join Philly Press Box Radio next week, Wednesday, May 23rd at 7 p.m. Next week's guest is TBD, to be determined. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at blogtalkradio.com, Philly Press Box Radio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and yes. Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. That's it. (laughs) 